Welcome to Spectacular Science. I'm your host, Akshay, and on Spectacular Science, it's all about science. I can't believe this is the season two finale and our 50th episode. Look up into the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. Uh, it definitely looks like a rocket and a satellite. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Today, I am interviewing Yash Chandramoli, a satellite operations engineer out of Seattle, about rockets and satellites. We are blasting off into the science of rockets and satellites. Keep listening! Today, I'm talking with Yash Chandramoli about rockets and satellites. Hey, uh, I, my name is Yash. I'm a satellite operations engineer based out of Seattle, and I work to maintain and operate one of the largest constellations of satellites in the world. Um, I work on operating them, making sure they fly properly, and making sure that the satellites do not hit each other in space. So I'm happy to be here uh, talking with you, Akshay. Thank you so much for talking to me. So you, spe- you said that you specialize in satellite collision avoidance. So what does that mean? Yeah, so my official title is I am a satellite operations engineer, which doesn't really say much from from the title. But what what that really means is uh, the company I work for has over a thousand satellites that are currently in space. Uh, And you can't just leave satellites in space and expect them to, you know, do everything properly. So I make sure that the satellites or I'm one, my team makes sure that the satellites fly where they're supposed to be, that they're all functioning properly and that they get, you know, they, they um, get to where they need to go to and that if they're going to hit each other, that they don't hit each other. So it's basically just managing. It's almost like playing a, playing a video game, trying to manage where all these satellites are going to go to make sure they, they do their jobs. What are rockets and how do they work? Yeah, so, so that, that's a great question. So before we can talk about satellites, uh, you first have to talk about rockets. So rockets are... At their, at their base, uh, as a base idea, a rocket is a vehicle that takes something into space, right? And in principle, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Newton's, Newton's laws of motion. Uh, yes. Did you learn about that yes. in school? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so rockets operate using basically Newton's third law, this idea of every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Um, so how rockets do that is they contain inside them a bunch of fuel. Uh, that you know can eat, burn really really well, and they you can imagine like when you light something on fire, it produces a lot of smoke, produces a lot of gas. That's the same thing that's happening inside of a rocket. They burn this fuel, and it produces a lot of hot gas that wants to leave at the bottom of this rocket. Right, this this long tube is a good way to think of a rocket. And so all the gas is being pushed out of the rocket, right? But because of Newton's third law, uh, just in the same way that the rocket is pushing the gas out of it, the gas is pushing the rocket up. And so uh, that's how rockets actually get begin to fly and how they go into space. Uh, and that's also how rockets can actually fly in space. Uh, you don't need any air or anything. All you really need is uh, the gas leaving the rocket to be able to push the rocket forward. Um, and so uh, that's how they work in base principle. But yeah, so if you whenever you see a rocket on a launch pad, uh, all it really is is a giant tube filled with fuel that is going to be lit on fire. And that's that big, you know, that big burst of fire you see when a rocket launches. Uh, and that's all the hot gases coming out of the rocket that are in turn, because of Newton's third law, pushing the rocket up into space. 
So you talked about multi-stage rockets before. So what does that mean? And how do you decide how much fuel should be put into each stage of the rocket? Yeah, so that's a great question. Uh, so I mentioned how rockets really just ex you know shoot out this hot gas and that shoots them upwards. But uh, you can't actually produce enough enough energy to be able to get a rocket into space uh, with just a single tube that does that. And the reason is because you can imagine, uh, let's say I have a rocket that's, you know, full of fuel. It's about 90% fuel sometimes, and it's being sent up into space. Uh, a large portion of the rocket's actual structure the, so, serves the only purpose of holding all of that fuel. And so when a lot of that fuel is gone and is, has been burnt up, uh, now you're just transporting basically an empty container. Um, a big piece of metal that weighs a lot, but isn't serving any purpose because all the fuel that it was holding has already been burnt off. And so you can imagine it gets, as you burn more and more fuel, it gets harder and harder because you have more of this dead weight that you actually have to bring into orbit with you. And so the idea of staging a rocket is basically this idea of when we're done using a container to hold fuel, let's get rid of it. And that way we don't have to bring the empty container with, to space with us. Um, and so a multi-stage rocket is really just a series. You can think of it as like a series of rockets stacked on top of each other. And that bottom rocket might burn for a little bit until all the fuel in it is gone. And then that bottom rocket, instead of being carried up as just this empty container, is just going to disconnect from the rest of the rocket and go fall back down to Earth. And then the, you know, the remaining rockets that are on top continue to burn. And then maybe after a bit, uh, you know, the, the new bottom of the rocket uh, is out of fuel. And so you cut that off. And slowly but surely, you kind of cut off the... Uh, the containers for the fuel as they run out. So that way you're not bringing any dead weight up into space. And it makes it much more efficient uh, to actually bring things into space. Um, in terms of how many, uh, how to actually determine the fuel that goes into each state, there's a lot of complicated math that goes into uh, optimizing exactly how much fuel goes into each one, but not just how much fuel, but the types of fuel that you might want to use. So you can imagine uh, the, the first stage that has to lift up the entire rocket body up from this, the surface of the Earth and start taking it into space, and there's this really thick atmosphere that has to power through. Uh, you can imagine that has to be a much more powerful engine, a much more powerful, maybe use much more efficient fuel, maybe use a lot more fuel to be able to produce all of that energy. Uh, versus as you get higher and higher, maybe near the end of the rocket, when uh, you're at the, just the tip of the rocket, there's like a smaller rocket and the payload, what it's carrying is, a, is, is all that's left. You can imagine you might need a much smaller uh, amount of fuel or much weaker fuel uh, because you don't actually have to push through that much atmosphere or carry that much weight. Um, so that's the basic idea of staging a rocket. Wow, that's amazing. Now, when a rocket usually gets to space, it usually deploys a satellite. So what are satellites and what are they used for? Yeah, so that's another great question. So again, rockets are very, very cool. And if you ever get a chance to see one of them on a live stream or, uh, you know, in person, if you can drive down, you know, ever get to go down to Kennedy Space Center in Florida or anywhere else, um, highly recommend it. But as amazing as rockets are, they are really just a vehicle. They're really just a, a, a you know, a way to transport something else. Uh, and the thing that they usually are transporting is satellites. Um, so satellites are uh, these, you can think of them as almost computers that specialize in in detecting or do it, performing a particular purpose. Or you can almost think of them as robots, uh, right? And so the idea is these satellites are sent up into space in order to perform a variety of functions. Some satellites are being used to take images. So if you go on Google Earth, 
you can look at, you can see satellite imagery of different locations all over the planet. A lot of those are taken by satellites that were sent into space with these big cameras to be able to, you know, look at various places across the earth. Uh, some satellites are sent to take data about the environment and about, you know, about the atmosphere or about the sun. Um, and so these satellites get sent up there with sensors, thermometers and, and pressure sensors and other types of sensors that can, um, that allow us to learn more about what the atmosphere is like that high up in space uh, and what the sun, maybe without the atmosphere blocking the sun, we can get a better, better image of it and we can look more at what's actually happening on the sun, that kind of thing. Um, and you also see satellites that perform, uh, you know, really any kind of use case that you could possibly think of. Uh, so, you know, some satellites like the satellites for the company that I work for um, are being used to provide internet to places on the earth that are very hard to reach uh, using cable on the ground. And so instead you can send people internet, uh, allow people to have access to the internet via satellite. Um, so there's tons of different use cases and each of them sort of, um, you know, you're only really limited by your creativity and, you know, the, the types of things that you want to accomplish with a satellite. Wow, that's amazing. I love that explanation about the internet. I think a lot of people are using the internet right now. How do you keep satellites from colliding or crashing into each other? Yeah, so that's also a very great question, right? We have all these satellites in space that can perform all these different functions. Some are taking images, some are providing internet, some are taking science, gathering science data and information about you know space and our planet. Um, but there's a lot of satellites in space. Uh, in fact, there are going to be even more. Lots of companies and NASA are launching tons of satellites into space. Um, other, other countries are also launching satellites into space now, not just NASA. And so um, space is getting pretty crowded. And there's this genuine concern of what we call space debris, which is the idea of, you can almost exactly what it sounds like, basically trash in space, right? Uh, every small piece of uh, metal in space can cause serious damage to a satellite because things that are up in space are traveling at very, very high speeds. Um, and so even something the size of a marble can destroy, you know, a, a part of a satellite. And so we, everyone who's in the space industry works really, really hard to make sure that two satellites do not hit each other, because if they do, they're going to produce all of these small fragments of metal and small shards that could fly around and hit other satellites and it almost causes this chain reaction. And so everyone is sort of invested in this idea of making sure that we are being safe and not hitting things in space. And so as part of that, there's a lot of communication between organizations about where their satellites actually are. Uh, so we can communicate sometimes through the, the Air Force, uh, sometimes through other organizations, you can communicate the location of uh, your spacecraft and put it on, basically put it on a server so that everyone can access it. Uh, and using that, you can then compare where that satellite is uh, and you can also plug it into some, you know, use some, use some math and physics to basically predict where that satellite is going to be in the future. And then you can do the same thing for your satellites and you can see, um, are any of my satellites going to hit any other satellites based off our predictions of where they're going to be? Um, and if we do compute that, you know, there's a probability that the two satellites might hit each other, uh, then you have to coordinate and decide who is going to move their satellite. Uh, and you usually can do, you know, you can basically, most satellites have a small amount of fuel on them, uh, small little thrusters you can imagine, like similar to a rocket. And so the idea is while they're in space, the satellite can fire one of those thrusters to move a little bit out of the way. Uh, so that way that the two satellites do not actually have a chance of hitting each other. But it's all, it's really just a, a matter of coordination and really everyone providing data with each other in order to, because everyone is sort of invested in making sure that space stays usable and safe for years to come. So, 
That's so amazing. Now, what advice do you have for kids who want to pursue their interests in space science? Yeah, uh, I mean, this is the perfect time to be getting into this. this. We're almost in a new space age, is what people are calling it, uh, with all of the innovation that is happening in space right now. Um, satellites are becoming incredibly small uh, and faster and using you know, better technology than ever before. And so, um, and they're also becoming much more accessible. Most colleges uh, now have groups that are building satellites that can actually go into space. And so uh, even as early as college, you might be able to build something that will actually end up in space, which is very, very cool. Um, so my advice is, uh, if this is something you're interested in, uh, take advantage of like the number of like all the resources that are available to you, you know, online and elsewhere uh, to learn as much as you can. All what incredible things right now, uh, and you can almost take inspiration from them to sort of understand what exactly you would like to do within this in space. What, whether it's the type of satellite that you want to build, whether you want to make rockets that are that fly better, um, whatever it is you might want to do, try and think about what exactly you'd like okay, to do, and so that can help guide your guide your research and your your studying and what you want to learn. Um, in terms of like subjects, I'd say if you really want to work with you know, building a rocket or building a satellite, it's always great to learn how to code. Uh, most satellites, again, satellites are really just big computers. And so learning how to actually, you know, talk to, is to speak in computer language, which is really, you know, coding and is, is very, very important. And so learning that is, is useful. Uh, being good at math and physics is very important. Um, but I also kind of want to point out that there's a lot of ways to contribute to the space industry that are outside of being in math or science. Um, Obviously, if you want to build those, build rockets or satellites, you have to know that sort of thing. Uh, but there's a lot of opportunities for people to, if you're interested in social studies and language arts, people who work in space policy, writing the laws that are going to govern how we live and work in space in the future. There's a whole bunch of jobs related to that. Uh, people who work in psychology, who are helping astronauts um, d deal with, you know, the long periods of isolation that they're going to feel on a journey to Mars that takes, you know, a very long time to reach. Um, there's a lot of psychological aspects there. People who work in you know, biology, learning how to grow plants and, you know, uh, in, if we were to move to a different place in space, uh, right? Like if we, go, if we wanted to live on Mars, how would we actually grow plants there? How would we produce water there? These are all questions that people are tackling from a variety of fields. So you don't have to be a engineer or, a, you know, a roboticist to be able to contribute to the space industry. And I think um, that's the most important thing. If, if you were a kid interested in space, it's the most important thing to take away is like focus on, you know, that part of science and the part of, you know, this field that really excites you and just like, just delve into it, explore your curiosity and, you know, constantly ask questions, try and get answers and recognize that there's no one path to really end up in this industry anymore. You can really do anything, so. Wow, that is so inspiring. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for asking these awesome questions. These are great questions. <laughs> what did we learn today? We learned that rockets work with Newton's third law of motion. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. The hot gas the rocket gives off pushes that rocket into space. Rockets have different stages because when those fuels burn, there's just empty metal canisters, and that is called dead weight. To get rid of those and make it easier for the rocket to go up into space, they fall off. That is a multi-stage rocket. We also learned that satellites can do a variety of things. 
gather pictures of Earth or the sun, and even forecast our weather and give us much more stronger internet. Satellite collision is when two satellites crash into each other. And to avoid that, people monitor satellites all the time to keep them from crashing. Thank you for listening to this 50th episode of Spectacular Science. Please contact this podcast by going to spectacularsci.com slash contact. That's spectacularsci.com slash contact. Please also fill out our favorites form to tell us what you like about Spectacular Science. We'd love to know what you think. Also, during the season break, please recommend this podcast to your friends and family. We need your help to grow. We will be back with brand new episodes on... Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. That's Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. Even though that seems like a long time, you can still keep up with us by going to spectacularside.com slash blog and reading our daily blog posts. Thank you so much for listening to the last 50 episodes, and we're glad you stuck around. See you on Season 3 of Spectacular Science. Bye! Whoa! See?